Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. What a day, folks. Um, I am recording this on November 7th, um, but it's actually going to drop next week, so November whatever that is, 15th. Um, but today we found out we have a president-elect. Um, Mr. Biden has, you know, secure secure the nom. Um, sure, there's still going to be lots of political and civil unrest, but it is nice um, to kind of take a deep breath and a deep sigh of relief. Um, I remember the 2016 election, you know, I voted in person in Los Angeles. Um, I scraped my car getting out of the garage a little bit, but I was like, you know, oh, it's fine. Hillary is going to win. Um, She didn't. It was like, I mean, I'm sure lots of you can relate to this, where it was sort of like, you know, it felt like a joke and a farce for so long. And then when election day came, we're like, this isn't going to happen. You know, no one took it seriously. And then as the day progressed, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure I was just at work and like it was a normal day. And then it just got like really weird and eerie. And, you know, I always lived in liberal and, you know, democratic uh, left-minded states and areas, Um, but it is pretty crazy to see that literally half of the country is still supporting somebody who, you know, ran on a platform of banning an entire religion and type of, you know, and, you know, with the the wall. It's not even just one kind of person, you know, there's the Muslim ban, but then there's, you know, build a wall, get rid of the Mexicans. There's, you know, anti-abortion. There's all kinds of things. You know, this isn't a political podcast um, by any means, but it is definitely a monumental day in history. Um, Trump is a one-term president, hopefully won't either live long enough or just be able to run for president again. Um, Biden is by no means a perfect candidate, but again, it's if you had issues with him or, you know, he's he's not perfect, but um, it's not necessarily a vote for Biden, but it's a vote against Trump. And that is clearly what America wants. That's what we got. Um, so we have a few more months of Mr. President Trump and we'll see what happens. Um, I would call myself very politically ignorant, um, but in the past, you know, a few months, in the past week especially, have definitely been paying way more attention to the news um, than I ever have, as I'm sure, again, very relatable. Um, so it's nice to kind of, I mean, there's still, the Senate is up for grabs and there's still some a lot of other decisions to be made and we'll see, you know, Trump's not handling it well right now. We'll see at the time of editing and recording this next week what happens, uh, but it is pretty nice um to finally like you know the country can take a collective sigh of relief um even though things were looking good and you never know until you know and um hopefully it's just you know stays as okay as we can be and you know i don't want to say things can't get worse because they definitely can but things can definitely get a lot better and hopefully they will um so how are you all um also i'm recording this prior to the interview slash conversation with my um college friend addy van pelt um but if you have that's gonna be recorded after this but it's put up after so if you have not checked that out already um i don't know what we're gonna talk about but i'm sure lots of books and movies and fun things she has a podcast girls on film um she also has a blog so we talk about those in the conversation and that will be linked below but we're back here for your regularly scheduled programming. Um, this week, we don't have a bonus book. I kept it to five. Um, sometimes, you've, you know, the past couple of weeks, I've tried to have more of like a topic or a theme with the books um, and have a sort of larger overarching conversation, which I still do try to want to do. Um, there's just 
you know, mentally and not have really, I've been reading actually like more than ever. Like, yeah, I've just felt that's the best way to distract myself and the best way to just sort of, that's how I de-stress. And even if I'm reading about particularly stressful situations, it makes myself feel better. Or if I'm reading about relaxing fun, it's just, you know, I love reading. It can take you anywhere. So I've been reading a lot more. I just haven't felt um they've kind of been all over the place due to library roulette there's been a lot of really good ones i'm excited to talk about them um they're just like a little bit all over the place in terms of um genre and in terms of themes so there wasn't really like an overarching concept you know i guess maybe the theme is all of these books have came out in the past few months um but that is also a trend theme that's happens a lot on the podcast thanks to library roulette um so I love Los Angeles Public Library to sponsor this podcast. Um, but just, you know, this is your little reminder that ebooks and the library, um, which contains ebook libraries, um, are a great, wonderful resource. I know that, um, you know, the more you read, the more it can put a financial constraint on you. You should never let that stop you from reading. Um, you know, borrow a book from a friend. Usually, you know, go online and find a cheaper used copy. Um, check out your library. You know, we pay taxes and the library is a government resource that is actually put to good use and it offers free arts and all that stuff and so take advantage of it man you know like get out get out and read um if i had enough listeners and if i had merch and if anyone cared you know maybe i would do like a you know library roulette i don't know what i would do with that but maybe some sort of like russian roulette or like wheel of like library books and then the other one would be a a b y k you know that's my other motto is always bring your kindle uh went up for an oil change last weekend you know so it was in the car for like 15 ish minutes like waiting for that to happen i think we were in line for something else that same day maybe like walgreens pharmacy or whatever and so i had my kindle and i was like hey jason you know you can go on your phone and look at twitter but like i'm gonna take this five to ten minute chance to read because i a b y k always bring your Kindle. How cool would it be to have like Kindle cases for that? Again, Kindle, you want to sponsor? We're flailing. We got energy. It's weird energy, but we got it. Um, <laughs> so um, our first book, where we want to start, it's, like I said, it's all over the place. Um, let's start with Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth. Um, so Emily M. Danforth wrote The Miseducation of Cameron Post, um, which is a wonderful young adult novel that was turned into a wonderful film with my girl, Sasha Lane, who I met outside a Panera Bread in Beverly Hills one time. That was a super fun, uh, she's, you know, she's a very talented actress, but she's not as well known. She's been in like American Honey. Um, she's just in the most recent, uh, the Amazon series Utopia, which is great. Uh, she's been a couple other things. Um, she was in the movie version of The Miseducation of Cameron Post, and I think so was Chloe Grace Moritz, and it's about um, girls sent to a gay conversion camp, and naturally, you know, mixed feelings. <laughs> They're lesbians, and they like to feel those feelings, and it's just, it's really good. Um, and so Plain Bad Heroines is a novel about um, the, it's girls in a New England school in the 1900s who have this sort of like mysterious death and mysterious curse um, placed on them and like a whole secret society type thing. Um, and then over a year later, um, there is a young girl who has sort of taken that story, adapted it into a script. Um, and so then the script um, is what's getting worked on and if that makes sense. Um, so <laughs> it's like an, ad you know, it's an adaptation. So we're going back and forth between times of like what actually happened in the early 1900s and the story that sets it up and then the girls um who are dealing with the los angeles scene so there's a lot of commentary on that um 
there is a lot of commentary on sort of, you know, what do we take from history and how do we shape that in adaptation? There's, um, three, there's young women are the main protagonists of this novel, um, particularly the three young women who are in present day times, um, two are actors in the movie and one is the scriptwriter. Um, so there's a lot of different facets of the Hollywood scene. Um, there is, it's, it's, I want to say it's like 400, 500 pages. So it's a little bit lengthier. Um, and I think it is, I don't know if I would call it young adult just because it focuses on young girls. It's definitely a lighter, breezier, much more like, um, cinematic feel but again it's also focusing on part of it's focusing on a film so that totally makes sense um there's a lot of like goth darkness to it but also a bit of levity and comedy which is also in the miseducation of cameron post i think that's what's so great she tackles these slightly heavier subjects on particularly with respect to lgbt and queer topics and just makes them super like normal and you know I, it's like i wouldn't call the miseducation of cameron post you could definitely you know call definitively a queer and a gay novel and this one has queer and lgbt themes but i would definitely not call it like an lgbt novel and i think that that's kind of we're shifting towards that instead of like oh this show has a gay character it's like yeah the show has five characters and one of them's gay and one's black you know it's just like it's normal um so that's what i really like about this one um i can definitely see it being made into a film it's ripe that adaptation of it that's you know becomes pretty meta but i think it's very promising oh it's 640 pages yeah so it was quite a lengthier read. Um, I think I read it the day that like my car battery died and I was having a pretty shitty day. And so it was really nice to just like turn off my brain and delve into this world instead. Um, so if that's what you're into, definitely check that one out. Um, the next one we have is Shit Actually, the definitive 100% objective guide to modern cinema by Lindy West. Lindy West is fantastic. Um, she is an essayist, Twitter guru, um, her first essay, uh, collection of essays was Shrill, um, which was made into the Hulu series with A.D. Bryant, which is pretty, I mean, it's good. It's not great. Um, I think the book was a little bit better, but it's, um, Shrill is all about her being a fat woman in media and just undeniably fat. You know, she, her body is what it is. She recognizes it. Um, but other people still feel the need to troll and comment on it. Um, and she's been in quite a few um, sort of, you know, Twitter online scandals. Um, that was her first novel. The second one was The Witches Are Coming, which was um, a very definitive sort of like post-Trump, this is our world and this is what's happening um, memoir, more in that aspect. And then this is, as it says, you know, the definitive 100% objective guide to modern cinema, which means 100% subjective. Um, Lindy takes us through some of her favorite movies and some movies that are not her favorites. And she explores why. And it's just very, um, she's friends with Samantha Irby and like that kind of like humor, um, self-deprecation while still very like grounded and not too much like, woe is me. I'm a victim. It's like, you know, this is my life. It's shitty. It's messy. And also I'm going to use my fun experience and my, my own subjective lens to take you through some movies. So she, she recaps some more popular ones like Harry Potter and explores the multiple plot holes in the films, which like you kind of think about when you're watching, you're like, oh, that doesn't really make sense. But okay, but then if like, you know, you're reading it, a comedian, a comedic essay, sort of, you know, trolling and <laughs> recapping them, it's even better. Um, she 
takes on stuff. Shit, actually, she, you know, kind of breaks down love, actually, and why it's not the best. And I think it's great, too, because it's just like a there's some trashy movies. There's some higher quality movies. Um, even if you haven't seen all of the movies, which I hadn't, it still feels it's like you're not you're not reading it because you want movie reviews. You're just because you want to hear Lindy talk about things. So I could read many more of these essays. I hope that there are many more to come. Um, so definitely check this one out. If you're just, you want something humorous, you're into cinema, you're not into cinema and you find film critics and pretentious stuff, or you find, you know, dark, you find it pretentious, you know, this is for you because it is not pretentious at all. So that is shit actually. Um, next we have Memorial by Brian Washington. Um, so Brian Washington wrote a collection of short stories called Lot, which I think came out last year. Um, and those are really good. Um, just the, about chronicling the experiences of being a black man in America told from different perspectives, um, I believe sort of in like Texas and the South. Um, and then, yeah, because this one takes place in Houston too. So I'm pretty sure that they're all kind of like Texas focused. Um, this tells us about, it's just two people in a dysfunctional relationship and both of their perspectives. I mean, it kind of reminded me of um, the last five years, if it were a book and not a play, because, um, the last five years is a musical that talks about um, the destruction of a five-year relationship, starting one from the beginning and the good to the end, and one starting at the end and tracing back to the beginning. Um, that's a little bit what this one does. We have the two perspectives of the two men in the relationships, um, Benson and Mike. Benson is a um, young black gay man, um, still kind of trying to make sense of his life and his relationships. Um, he's HIV positive. Um, his family still kind of struggles to accept his sexuality. Um, he is in a relationship with Mike, who's a Japanese American chef. Um, Mike's father is dying. So Mike actually goes to Japan in the beginning of the book. Um, but when Mike goes to Japan, his mother comes. And so his mother comes and stays with Mike in their Houston apartment. Um, and then the way that they kind of communicate and the relationship is very like undefined and gray throughout the novel. Um, obviously the different... <laughs> ideals of culture and family and importance and like chosen family and blood family um and how relationships can be so nuanced and so gray and it's not just you know we're either together we're not like all the complicated emotions and feelings and other people that are also involved especially when it's uh, a long distance relationship um that's already going through strife um so it's definitely it's a very like vulnerable raw novel it's um, it's lighter than something like A Little Life or, I mean, it's, it doesn't have also like the whirlwind romantic aspect of Call Me By Your Name, but it does treat and look at a gay relationship with that sort of beautiful, um, nuance in the way that Andre Asaman is great at doing. Um, so check this one out if you're in, into complicated relationship stories that are, um, multi-perspective and cross or multi- national um check out memorial and next we have clap when you land by elizabeth acevedo um so i knew this was a young adult novel when i picked it up i did not know however that it was a young adult novel told in prose which i love i remember when i was younger obviously in reading primarily young adults um there's like laurie house anderson she's the one that comes to top of mind but there's um i find that prose especially for young adults can be a really beautiful way of getting across stories and concepts in a fresh and unique um way and also just like giving you know teenage we've all been teenagers and the way that your thoughts and hormones are sometimes are not so 
paragraphic and literary, but they still have gravitas to their meaning. Um, so that's how we, um, these two, especially when dealing with heavier topics, um, I think a lot of the prose young adult novels that I read dealt with like self-harm and addiction. And not to say that like a romantic story can't be told in prose, because of course it can. Um, but it's a definitely a gives also for those teenagers who are sometimes burned out of reading it gives them something fresh and different and a you know different form of exploring these topics um so clap when you land is about two young girls one is um camino and she lives in the dr and the other one is yahira and yahira lives in new york city and they are both tied together because they're they share the same father however they do not know this at the beginning of the novel um it starts off with uh, Camino's father passes away. Then we get to the perspective of Yamina, Yahira, I'm sorry, and her father passes away. Um, and then we learn it's the same father. Um, and so they are split on opposite sides of the world, pretty much. Um, they each had different situations with their father and different relationships. However, their father was still in their lives. So he was kind of living this dual life. Um, but then they're brought together because of this plane crash. Um, it's pretty eerie just like reading a plane crash story that takes place in 2019. I think this takes place, it definitely, you know, it takes place now. It's not, 9-11, I know plane crashes still happen in Malaysian Airlines, but especially just like a, I mean, I guess it was from America to the DR, or from New York to the DR, but something that's not necessarily like transatlantic and sort of ocean, like they do find his remains and they it's just like weird to read about plane crashes. I've always, you know, I know there's chances of dying in one are statistically less than a car crash or something, but like still creeps me out a bit. Um so it's just really, you know, it's these two young women who have experienced a tremendous loss of their father. Um, it's a time when you need family and when you need sisters. And it's something that clearly, you know, since neither of them knew about it, you know, this man was have had two secret family or, you know, two families, each secret from each other could be a severe time of resentment and frustration. And um, it just ends up being actually like really beautiful. And it brings these two girls together. Um, they have very different upbringings and perspectives. Um Camino lives in the DR in a lower income area. Yahira is being able to live in America and in New York City, um, but their experiences are still similar but different. Um, and then they do come together towards the second half of the novel. Um, and I just think it was a really great way to look at something a little bit deeper in a beautiful, like I said, a literary prosaic way. And just kind of, you know, look at the relationships between people that we don't always know about and how people can come together in tragedy and the little things, you know, everything happens for a reason, as cliche as that is. Um, and it just, you know, it's, it helps remind you that even in loss, um, I've also, my grandfather passed away um, this weekend. So I guess at the time of this being released last weekend, um, it was a long time coming. I'm okay. He was sick, you know, but it just, it gives a reminder that, you know, through all pain and loss, like there is positivity to everything. In this case, you know, he's in a better place. He was in pain. In this case, these two young girls lose their father, but they gain each other and they gain a new relationship. So we just got a little deeper there than I intended, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> and then our last book is um, The Index of Self-Destructive Acts by Christopher R. Beha. So this is one of, like, sometimes I'll start a book and know, like, immediately I'm just going to love it. And I continue to love it. And it's great. This is one of those that I was reading and I was like, okay, like, this is, this is fine. Like, it's about different people living in New York City, making mistakes, and then the consequence of those mistakes and those relationships. Um, but it ended up being... Like, the characters just ended up being well-developed and unique enough. I mean, I think I kind of saw where it was going at one point. It deviated a little bit from that. Um, 
they the way that the characters lives are intertwined is not super clear in the beginning so i also you know i always appreciate when it's shown and not told to you um we are dealing this so this is also um right after obama was elected and right around the the crash um the 2009 recession so it's also always an interesting time to revisit especially as we're on you know in the brink of history and hopefully new things about to change um but Sam Waxman is a sports consultant. He moves to New York City with his wife, um, Lucy. Yes. Um, Sam's client, who or he's doing a expose on this sort of media mogul. Um, Frank is his name? Yes, Frank Doyle, political columnist. Um, Frank Doyle, who's just sort of had like a sort of political scandal. Um, nothing like a Me Too, but more of just like his something that he printed didn't go over as well as expected. So he's intertwined with Frank. Um, Sam then gets close with their daughter. Um, Frank's wife, Kit, is also involved in like investment trading. Um, their son is like involved with, he's a former veteran. I mean, they're all just like kind of, they're they're not like wacky. Like they're all like people who you could totally, that's what it is, I think. It's like they're people that you would totally know all of the actions that they make while not quite defensible are things that exist in the realm of everyday life and could totally happen while still being entertaining and clearly, you know, not just totally mundane because we're here for excitement. It's a novel. Um, so I don't want to say too much more on that, but it was kind of, you know, it's a multi-generational, a lot happens. Uh, I'm just going to, Roxanne Gay's five-star review pops up on this. I don't know if I would give it five stars, maybe like four, but a messy sprawl of a novel. But overall, it's a satisfying, ambitious, absorbing novel about the ways big and small that we destroy ourselves by surrendering to our lesser natures. Uh, she's a wonderful writer. I mean, she said it better in two lines in a book review than I've been saying on this whole podcast. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, I hope you are doing as well as you can be in these crazy, crazy times. I hope that you are reading to distract yourself. As always, let me know what you're reading. Um, and until next time, stay reading. And A-B-Y-G-A, always bring your Kindle. Bye.